bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's Word. Well, let's get into the Word. Are you ready to get into God's Word? Okay, I'm going to do a three-part message, um, and when we, you look at our declaration uh, every week, we say that I receive the mantle of leadership. So that's what I'm going to focus on on my teaching, and it's going to take three parts uh, to, to talk about that. So my message, uh, the theme uh, is from Elijah to Elisha from Elijah to Elisha, and the subtitle is Becoming a Servant. From Elijah to Elisha, and the subtitle is Becoming a Servant. The story of Elijah and Elisha shows how a leadership anointing can be passed from one person to the other. It's not the only case of leadership impartation in the scripture, as we'll read. Uh, there are other examples from Moses to Joshua, Paul, Timothy, and of course, Elijah and Elisha. And I'm going to do three parts in this uh, series. Today, I'll be focusing on becoming a servant, and the next part will be becoming a student, and the next part will be becoming a son. It is a process of graduation by which we are able to receive uh, the anointing from one level to the other. So there are gonna be three scriptures we start with. The first is in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse nine. The second is in 2 Kings chapter two, verse 15. And then we'll read Philippians chapter two, verse 19 to 22. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, 2 Kings 2, verse 15, Philippians 2, 19 to 22. And so let's start with Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. For Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. Very important commentary. Then 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 15 this is after Elijah had departed, says, Now when the sons of the prophets who were, with, who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to him and bowed to the ground before him. The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Then Philippians chapter 2 Verse 19 to 22. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged 
when I know your state, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know this, his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served me, he served with me in the gospel. Now, over the period of my teaching, I'll be making uh, references to Joshua and to Timothy, but I'll be focusing my teaching on Elijah and Elisha. So take note of the, uh, the one concerning Elijah and Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. One of the things you'll notice about God is that he doesn't start mass production. God doesn't start doing things in mass production. When he was creating the human race, he didn't create a thousand people at a time or a million people at a time. We now have about seven and a half billion people on this planet, but God didn't create a billion people at a time. He created one man. And out of the one man, he took the woman and then out of them, he produced all of us. When God wanted to build the nation of Israel, he didn't create a thousand people or build a thousand people at the same time, but then he uh, raises uh, Abraham, and out of Abraham comes Isaac, and out of Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and out of Jacob, the 12 sons will become the 12 tribes, and so on and so forth. So God will always create a prototype and multiply it. And it goes with the, the thing about leadership that God will always create a prototype and multiply it. And the process of multiplying that prototype is what we are going to look at today. Now, when we look at the passage concerning Elijah, the passage says the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah. It's quite an interesting uh, way of expressing it. The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. So what does the word spirit in that context means? The word spirit there means abilities, aptitudes, and wisdom. Ability, aptitude, and wisdom. When we say aptitude, it is the frame of mind, the way they, they look at the world, and their wisdom, the way they act. So the ability of Elijah rested on Elisha, the aptitude of Elijah rested on Elisha, and the wisdom of Elijah was manifested in Elisha. So it's possible to inherit great leadership attributes from one person to the other. So three important things I want to state. First is that the spirit of a leader is transferable. The spirit of a leader is transferable. Moses transferred what he had to Joshua. Elijah transferred what he had to Elisha. Paul transferred what he had to Timothy. The spirit of a leader is transferable. Second, there are processes for transferring the spirit of a leader. There are processes for doing that. Certain people are able to receive, others are not able to receive. Now, if you 
if I would just fast forward, uh, Elisha was able to receive from Elijah. However, Elisha's servant, Gehazi, could not receive from Elisha. So some are able to receive the transference and others are not able to receive it. And third statement, receiving the spirit of a leader enables us to do what they do. It's not enough just to admire a person. It's important that the abilities that you admire are replicated in your life. So if I say that, oh, I admire this person so much, maybe I say I admire Billy Graham or I admire some other leader, it's great to admire them, but the most important thing is that I should be able to do what they do. I should be able to replicate uh, what they do. So leadership is not just to be admired. It has to be replicated. And if there is anything every leader desires, including myself, is not just to be admired by people, but to see a lot of people replicating the skills, the abilities that they admire. And each one of us must determine, not just be admirers of a mentor, but also to replicate what they have and what they stand for. So let's go to the scripture now to look at the Elijah-Elisha situation and where this whole thing started from. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. This is God giving instruction to Elijah on what to do uh, from this point on in his life and his ministry. And he reads, Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Now I want you to note the word anoint. It's used three times in all the three uh, uh, situations. Verse 17. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to bow, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and bore their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Very interesting. Elijah is a prophet and he's uh, instructed to anoint 
two kings and one prophet. The king of Syria, king of Israel, and a prophet. Very interesting because Syria is not under Israel, but the prophet's ministry uh, extended beyond his country. So he was going to annoy the king of another country, Syria, then Israel, then a prophet. Now, if you look through the scriptures, there is no record. There is no record that Elijah anointed any of the three. He didn't anoint Hazael. He didn't directly anoint uh, Jehu. And he didn't anoint Elisha. If we take anointing to be literally the pouring on of oil. Uh, because, you know, many times people uh, will come and say, you know, pastor, just pour this oil upon me and impart your anointing upon me. Uh, and, and there are people who have sometimes come to my office with their own oil. In other words, for the avoidance of doubt, if you don't have oil, we come fully supplied. And, and, and they say, you know, would you anoint us? And they come with their own oil, and they will kneel down and say, pour this oil upon us, and, and we will be anointed, and, and what you carry will rest upon us. And, and many times, you know, sometimes people have more faith than yourself. And you know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, oil you, but nothing is going to happen. Because this is not how it happens. It's not just the pouring on of oil. There's something deeper. So if you look at it, God says anoint, but really he didn't pour oil on anybody. Even Elisha, who received his anointing, was not anointed with oil. He received it through a process. And that's the process I want to talk about. Because if you don't understand the process, you will go for symbols. Because many times we are rushing for symbols and not substance. And these days, you know, anointing oil has replaced every process. So we want to buy a car, we'll go and anoint the car. You want to buy land, you put oil on the land. Uh, you want... Uh, uh, whatever do you want. I don't know what you want. But people believe that just by smearing something with oil, there is a magical process that brings about transfers of power. The process is deeper than just the symbol. So when you look at the dealings with Elijah and Elisha, you realize although no oil is poured on Elisha, there is a transfer. There is a transfer that takes place. Now, the first thing I want us to note out of the passage we read is what Elijah did. What Elijah did. Elijah's actions. After Elijah was instructed by God, he did three very important things. Three very important things. First is that he discovered Elisha. He went looking for Elisha based on God's leading. Now, we're not told whether they knew each other ahead of time, but it is very possible that Elijah knew Elisha ahead of time. It's very possible that probably Elisha was a student in the school of prophets that 
Elijah was running. It's likely, but the, the scripture doesn't say so. But if you look at the, the nature of the instruction where his name is mentioned, his father's name is mentioned, it seems like somebody who was already known to Elijah. So, but he goes looking for him. So he discovers him. The mentor discovers the mentee. He discovered and located Elisha. Now at the time when Elijah finds Elisha, he's not prophesying. He's plowing. Now, isn't it strange that God says go and anoint a prophet and you go looking for the guy and the guy is a farmer. It looked like the wrong gift in the wrong place. But it tells us that sometimes potential can be found in the most unlikely places. So if God says go look for a prophet, and in those days there were sons of the prophets, you would expect that Elisha or Elijah will go to the sons of the prophets and maybe Elisha will already be somebody who is training to be a prophet. It's possible, but it's not stated. What is stated clearly is that he's a farmer. He's a farmer with the potential of a prophet. That's the first thing. But Elijah discovers him. Talent can sometimes be hidden in very obscure places. People you don't think have ability have ability. People you don't think can do much will do much. And so God instructs Elijah and he finds the man farming. That's the first thing. Second thing Elijah did is that he threw his mantle on Elisha. We like that a lot. Throwing the mantle. The mantle was not the spirit. It was an indication of what will happen later to Elisha. The mantle was an outer piece of garment that Elisha was, uh, Elijah was identified with. Now, it is very obvious when you read this passage that the mantle was not left with Elisha. Because later on, the mantle was given to him again. So, when this mantle is thrown to him, it isn't thrown to him and left with him. It's, it's almost like the mantle was used to touch him. So, Elisha, Elijah just threw the mantle, touched him, but kept it. Because at this time, it didn't belong to Elisha. It belonged to Elijah. So, there is a temporary moment when he has an impartation that shows him what he can be, but it's not permanent in him. He receives a mantle, or the mantle is thrown against him. Third thing about Elijah is that he allowed Elisha to decide the way forward for himself. He didn't put him under pressure. In fact, throughout their relationship, Elijah made every conscious effort to discourage Elisha. Elijah just made sure he never encouraged him. He discouraged him. From when he says, uh, let me go and uh, say goodbye to my parents, he says, what have I done to you? In other words, it's up to you. It's up to you. I have just shown you that you could be a prophet, but it's up to you. You can decide to continue being a farmer. 
You can decide to follow me. You can decide to stay. You can decide to kiss your parents. Whatever you want to do is up to you. Because leadership is not by force. The anointing is not by force. You have to be ready to receive it. So, he allowed him to decide. And later when you read the encounters between Elijah and Elisha, you realize almost every step of the way, Elijah tried to discourage Elisha. Many times people say, well, you know, uh, you know sometimes people say, you know, I, I want you to train me. I want you to, to help me. I, I want to be like you. The first instruction you give them, they don't take it. They don't take it. Because they want you to encourage them. You know, um, I, I remember uh, one of the old movies uh, I watched. It's called The Karate Kid. How many of you watch Karate Kid? Okay, I know some of you are too holy. You don't watch Karate Kid. And this kid goes to, uh, in a martial arts aspect, a kung fu aspect, to, to teach him how to fight. And he gives him a duster and tells him to dust one way. And, and so the guy comes with a duster and he's dusting the car. And every time he goes one way, this way, and this way, and that way, and this way. And he does it for days and he's wondering, what has dusting this way and that way got to do with fighting martial arts? I came here to learn how to fight. So eventually the master taught him that he was training him how to block blows. How to block this way and that way. And re- you know, develop the ability, the reflexes. Sometimes the lessons you learn to become whom you must become doesn't seem to relate to what you're looking for. And so you start the process. You want to be a prophet. You want to be taught how to say, that says the Lord. But that's not how it works. So he receives the mantle and Elijah just leaves him to make his decisions. Now, let's look at Elisha's responses. How did Elisha respond to this moment of encounter with Elijah? And in, 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 in the story we hear about Elisha, there are six important attributes that stand out from the character of Elijah. First is that Elisha was a very resourceful person. The passage says that he was plowing with 12 oxen. He was an entrepreneur. Most likely, he was in a family business. And he had people working for him. In the passage, we are told that he is plowing 12 oxen. And the 12th is with him. Now, what that literally means, you can't, you can't plow 12 by yourself. So there are 11 other people plowing. And he's doing the number 12. So if for nothing, he's employing 11 people. But most likely he's employing more than that. And if he's plowing with 12 oxen, it means he's plowing a large field. He was engaged in work. He was entrepreneurial. He was resourceful. He was committed to doing something. God doesn't use lazy people to do his work. Did you notice that all the people that Jesus called as disciples were already doing something? 
you're either balancing an account's book or they were mending a, a, some nets or they were fishing, but they were always doing something. Not people standing doing nothing, looking for a job. You know, many times people think that uh, if, if you don't know what to do, then you, you can be a pastor. I've actually had people come to me and say, you know, can you, can you help my brother? You know, he, he's just at home. He, he's not doing anything. Can you, can you help him to be a pastor? Now, if he's doing nothing at home and he becomes a pastor, he'll do nothing too. Because people who do nothing will do nothing. One of the worst things you, you can tell somebody when you're looking for a job is to say, you know, I'm sitting at home, I'm doing nothing. Can you give me a job? Now, if you tell me that, I will not give you a job. But if you say, I'm sitting at home, I have no job, but this is what I've been doing. I've been working. I've been, I've been trying to do this and do that and do that. Then I know that you are entrepreneurial. You are resourceful. You are somebody who can do something out of nothing. But if you are sitting at home doing nothing, who wants to give you a job? And please, all of you who employ people, don't give anybody a job who is doing nothing. So somebody comes to an interview, ask him, what are you doing? Nothing. So what do you do? I'm at home. What do you do? Nothing. Where have you been to? Uh, I've, I've got this degree and I've got that degree and I've got MBA and I've got it. And what are you doing? Nothing. Now, if you employ such a person, well, that's up to you. So God is going to use Elisha. First sign is that he's resourceful. He is committed. He's plowing with 12 oxen. Second thing you note about Elisha is that he's receptive. He's receptive. The moment the mantle touches him, the Bible says he left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He was not told whether to run or to stay, but he was receptive. He was receptive to this moment of destiny. He left what he was doing. And he pursued Elijah. Third, he was responsible. He was responsible. How do we know? He sought permission to separate from his parents. He worked in the family business. The family trusted him. His parents trusted him with 12 oxen and, and other employees. Now he's going to change vocation. He doesn't just take off. He said, let me go and settle accounts with my parents, then I can come follow you. Whenever God is shifting you from one season to the another, one place to the other, it's important that you leave your back well. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.